Good morning. It is Wednesday, August 18th, and this is the Commuter Devotional. My name is Chuck, and I'm so glad that you have decided to join us today as we seek to engage our God in scripture and prayer before the busyness of our day begins. We're working our way through the book of Micah. When we took up suggestions about where we should go in the Old Testament, many of our listeners sent in requests from these minor prophet books. So we're going to be in the Minor Prophets for a little while. First, we're here in Micah, the longest of the ones that we'll look at. Micah, then Nahum, then Habakkuk, then Zephaniah, and then Haggai. I got a confession to make. When we get to Zephaniah, we're, we're going to go through one of my favorite little books of the Bible. As just short three chapters, Zephaniah builds up an amazing little story, an amazing little argument, and a lot of times it's overlooked. So I'm excited to do this series, but we're still at the very, very beginning of it. We're in Micah chapter 2. So let me read our passage for us today. I'll pray, and then we'll dive right into it. This is Micah chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. But lately, my people have arisen up as an enemy. You strip the rich robe from those who pass by trustingly and with no thought of war. The women of my people you drive out from their delightful houses. From their young children you take away my splendor forever. Let's pray. God, it's so alarming some of this language that you use and use through the pen of Micah to convey emotion to the listeners of your prophecy of your word. Lord, as we look at our passage today and we see how dramatic and emphatic the language that's used, Lord, help us to see why. Help us to see how serious this stuff is. God, help us today. Amen. Micah is continuing to just lay bare before God's people the sins that they have committed against the Holy One, our God. In our passage today, we see that they've become completely corrupted by stealing and theft. In verse 8, they say they steal from the rich who are trusting them. And in verse 9, we see that they're stealing literally people's houses from underneath them. My friends, if we think about the sin of theft, a lot of times we call theft petty and we say, oh, it's, you know, just a snicker bar here or whatever the little theft might be. And even when we think of bigger thefts, it's called a heist and it's held in high esteem in Hollywood movies and in the idea of stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. Look at our passage today. God condemns this sort of action. It's one of the Ten Commandments for crying out loud. My friends, the Israelites here have become a culture that has found theft and stealing to be an acceptable practice. And we need to look at what happens to a culture that thinks that this sort of behavior is okay. Suddenly, theft and stealing can become the means by which a lot of other behavior is allowed. For example, the Israelites going to war with another country turns into, well, you have land that you don't even know how to use, so we're going to take it from you because we can do a better job with it. Or, it also becomes a tool within the nation of Israel to hold power over another group of people. So, maybe in this situation in verse 9, they're stealing homes from these women because they think they'll do a better job of managing them or of using them for whatever purposes they have than these women are doing. It becomes this corrupt, secret club of people who steal to get their way. 
and oppress others. This is the sort of culture that Israel has become, and God calls them very clearly his enemy. There's something interesting in verse 9 that seems really out of place, though. Let's look at what he says at the very end. He says, The women of my people you drive out from their delightful houses. From their young children you take away my splendor forever. He says, From their young children you take away my splendor forever. And this is one of those phrases that we would miss if we just read Micah. We just read straight through it. But going through it just a few verses at a time gives us the opportunity to look at what this might mean. Our God is a God of splendor. And one of the ways he shows that is by blessing us. Surely part of the covenant is implied here in that the Lord would provide land and protection and homes and shelter to his people. And yet they're taking them away from them. And suddenly these young children don't see the blessing anymore. They don't feel protected. They don't feel cared for. And the children don't see the splendor of the king forever. My friends, this is a really insane implication that Micah is making here, that actually the Lord is making here, that it's because of the sins of others that young innocent children will never see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of the king who says he would provide for them. My friends, as we go today, let's spend some time thinking about this. Our sins have implications for others. A lot of times we think about people in positions of power or influence, such as pastors, and we can all see that when they sin in a very public way, well, that affects the church for a long, long time. But even so, on a much smaller scale, how does parents, how does their sin affect their children? Could it ever get to the point where the Lord would say of us, your sin has caused it so that the young children that you have will never see my splendor forever? What a horrible thing to say and a horrible thing to think through. My friends, I hope that for the parents listening and for other ones thinking through this, that this is never a position that we want to be in where our children and those under our influence could never see the splendor of the Lord because of sins that we have committed. Micah has given us a lot to meditate on today. So let me pray for us from Psalm chapter 18, and we will close. Heavenly Father, as we think about this passage, Lord, we definitely need to meditate on it, and we're going to need help to do that. So won't you send your spirit to us today to just work in us and stir in us and help us think through this passage. Lord, we know we're sinners, but a lot of times we don't really think about the implications that our sins might have on those around us. We know that sin is a break of the relationship between us and you. We don't often think about the consequences it might have to those who are influenced by us and affected by us. Even some smaller sins. What are the ramifications for my own family? Oh God, protect my family. Even in spite of the sins that I commit, help my children to see your splendor as something amazing and glorious and the most wonderful thing on earth and in heaven. Lord, never let that be the case for me and my family or for our listeners. God, we look to you. We love you. You are our strength. You are our rock and our fortress and our deliverer, the one in whom we take refuge. You are our shield 
You're the horn of our salvation. You are our stronghold. You are worthy to be praised. Even in our distress, we call upon you to our God for help. And from your temple, you heard our cry. Our cry reached your ears. And even then, the earth reeled and rocked, and the foundation of the mountains trembled and quaked. Smoke went up, and from your mouth came a devouring fire, ready to come swiftly to our aid. This is the God that we worship. Lord, let your splendor never be missed. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. Go in peace. I will see you tomorrow.